grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from a raging sea and I am saved on the solid ground the Lord is my salvation I will not fear when darkness falls. His strength will help me scale these walls. I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. God. Uh -huh. 
Dave Shackler here? There he is. Dave will read Psalm 49 for us. Good morning. The Word of God, Psalm 49. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he who sees that even the wise die, the fool <clears throat> and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain he is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd. And the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his father's will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. I'd like to recap what Dave just read. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence, which is us. Yet after them, people approve their uh, boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their forms shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol. For he will receive me. He will receive us. Let's go to him in prayer. 
Lord, I'm so reminded of the parallel passage in Isaiah 53:6 that all we, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. But Lord, you've laid on him, you've laid on Christ, the Redeemer, the iniquity of us all. And Lord, all we need to do is receive that wonderful grace by faith. Father, we also acknowledge that it's not by our works because we're reminded of Titus 3, 5. It says, um, you know, that you saved us, not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, because of your own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit. Lord, what mercy you show and you pour out upon us every day. Lord, we are so grateful that you have adopted us. You've brought us into your fold. You've counted us, though we are sheep to be slaughtered, you've redeemed us from that. You've given of yourself. And so, Father, we come this day as a people, broken people, but redeemed and uh, uh, people set aside to be holy for your purposes here in this life. So, Father, um, may we use our voices to truly uplift them in worship to you, to give praise and adoration to our precious Lord, and, Father, to give thanks for all that you have given and, Lord, all that you will continue to do until we are in your presence. And, Lord, we look forward to that day, the day of glory, and the brightness of your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jason. So as we continue our catechism, the question today, since we are redeemed by grace alone, through faith alone, where does this faith come from? Let's answer, answer this together. All the gifts we receive from Christ, we receive through the Holy Spirit, including faith itself. The short answer, very short, from the Holy Spirit. Our scripture, Titus 3, 4 through 6. Let's say this together. There's more to say than what's up there. So let's start with, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's continue worship with a song.
sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like Yeah. 
singing we're listening to you guys you sound fantastic what a what a great family what a great encouragement it is just to sing with you thank you <laughs> oh yeah yes marie Oh, I thought you were reaching for something to throw at me. <laughs> Love you, darling. Uh, so those who have been around for a while uh, have never seen this. This little, little six-foot walk here, that's never been done. 36 years here at Eatonville Baptist Church. 36 years. Henry, Arla, we were here for your last two sermons. Since you guys, we've heard Gary Johnson, Gerald Mittman, a little bit of, um, what is his name, Dan Hoffman, <laughs> for those 36 years, for all of those 36 years, including Young Life. Boy, we heard, I've heard sermons here from, yeah, yep, uh, Kurt Anderson, um, Mark Hoffman, um, Gerald Mittman, I don't know. Aragon Markwell, all of the elders have preached at some time. Jason, yep. Uh, John Wickander, wow, it's, it's been quite a bit. We've heard from Paul most recently, and it's been fantastic. And I think of uh, oh, Terry, yeah, we've heard from Terry. And so it's, the li I, it, I can't go through the whole list. The heckling begins. This is awesome. Thank you, Terry. So 36 years. And so um, I've seen some commonalities, some things that I really appreciate, and some of the things that's kept Peggy and I here for 36 years. Um, everyone who's come up here and preached here or at the high school or at the old Baptist church or wherever we are um, really came up here and longed for one thing, and that is for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be spoken, for it to be heard, for it to enter our hearts and our minds and to move us to action. That's it. You know, they, the difference is, I mean, you, you've been around long enough. You know some of the differences, and some are like storytellers. 
really good storytellers. That was the way. Um, some were pure exhorters. Some provoked and challenged. Some more teachers. So, the other, oh, one more commonality is when they came up here, they never pretended to be someone else. They didn't put on some other robe or some other personality or some other, other nests to be here to do this. They were always themselves. And this family has been gracious and graceful enough to let that happen, to let it be. And so today, testing your graciousness, you get me. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see, won't we? So, uh, you know, I confess I'm a bit of a, a goof, a second child. I tend to see the humor in things many times when I should not. Um, back in, uh, I think, 98, 99, I was first starting to help Jason with music. I'd been doing some special music, but first started actually uh, actually come up and lead. And it was a Mother's Day Sunday. Uh, so, you know, Roy and Kathy would remember. Dan and Teresa would remember. I'm sure Marie remembers. It was Mother's Day Sunday, and so I got up, and I was going to say, um, welcome, happy Mother's Day. Uh, Proverbs 31.10 says, a good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful. She treats him generously all her life long. And it goes on. She saves money. She spends wisely. She buys land with her own money. She puts a garden on it. And she feeds people. She bakes bread. She eats breakfast for everyone. So it's Mother's Day. And what a great tribute. That whole thing put together. It's like, Thank you for keeping us alive. But in the moment, I thought, wouldn't it be funny? So what I said was, welcome to Eatonville Baptist Church. Happy Mother's Day. Proverbs 10, 31 says, a good woman is hard to find. Let's pray. <laughs> I know, right? But then... Like, I think, what, four or five years later, I was up here again on Mother's Day, and I thought, wow, that was really good, so I'll do that again. Let's pray. Crickets. Death stares. Mind bullets from my own family. It's like, so, since then, I really stuck to the light lifting over here. And then, today, called to do some heavy lifting. I think now is a great time to pray. Father God, you are so good, so gracious and generous. All that you have done for us, we can't even fathom. We can't count it. We can't recount it. We can't, uh, Father, really, really understand it until we say, see you face to face. And we look forward to that day. Lord, thank you for bringing us together today as a family to join the rest of the families of your children around the world who are praising you this morning. So, Lord, let this morning be all you and none of me. And, Father, would your word be spoken here into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Catechism 35, since we are redeemed by grace alone, through faith alone, where does this faith come from? All the gifts we receive, we receive from the Holy Spirit, including the very faith itself. Paul writes to Titus, 
it's, and I like that, that for the catechism we use Titus 3, 4 to 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So Paul is writing to Titus. It's a short letter. He crams a lot into a short letter, and he's leaving them with the Cretans, the liars, the gluttonous, the lazy people, the argumentative, stupid, pig-headed Cretans, like America, like us. And so in this letter, it, it impressed upon me that Paul is punching home some points. He's sparse with his words, but every word is punching home a point. And here he's punching home a point that this faith that we have is not something we generate. It comes to us and it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So today we ask an answer. Where does faith come from? The heavy lifting part of this. Piece of cake. I get to introduce the catechism's first doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Ooh. Wait a second, we're Baptists. I, easy now, because you start talking Holy Spirit, and the next thing you know, people are running around, babbling incoherently, like Gaelic or whatever, and they're waving banners and running around with flags, and sometimes without even any music, and then you know what happens. Someone puts an eye out. Oh, none of that here. None of that, well, you know what? The Holy Spirit is here. With our Baptist bent, I wonder sometimes if we're comfortable with the idea of it, with the idea of him, and not comfortable with the heart of him. I wonder, especially as we go through these catechism questions, it seems it may, and I think it's a great thing that we're doing this, right? In our current climate, we need to know what we know. We need to know what we believe, and we need to know why we believe it. So it's great that we're going through these. I think, though, it might be easy for us to fall into, um, like it's a seminary class. Like it's an intellectual idea, a pursuit. Like this is, I get it, check. You know, i got to take notes. What if I run into to Dan, uh, and he does a Bible quiz, and I need to know about the Holy Spirit? Right? That was some old school Sunday last Sunday. Were you guys here? Who, who, was, who was here last Sunday to watch Sarah Howard exercise her, her Awana muscles so fast, blistering fast? It was great. Being up here again watching that, it was fantastic. But that was some great old school Sunday right there. But it can be a trap to fall into this being just an intellectual exercise, just something that we know and can check out of a box. Like today, Holy Spirit in me, check, done. And then move on to the next catechism question. Today we're going to wrestle with this idea. How do we get the idea of the Holy Spirit being the source of our faith from here to here to here? Is that even a question? Is it a trick question? Ooh, let's find out. 
Maybe first we need to wrestle with the idea. On the surface, it can seem circular. It can seem mysterious and even a chicken or the egg kind of a problem. Like, wait, we can't have faith without the Holy Spirit, but we get the Holy Spirit when we have faith. Have you ever wrestled with that? I, I have, when especially first uh, early Christian, I really did not understand that. But you know what? Let's relax. It's not a mathematical mystery, and it is not a logic problem because we start here. Romans 10:17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Our faith isn't created by our own will. It cannot be. Faith comes from the outside, enters, enters. We understand it. We begin to know who Jesus is, and faith blooms. Christ, the gospel, is the only source of faith. Any faith we create is false. Any faith we think we create is a lesser faith. And this may sting. Any faith we think is better than the gospel, more socially just, more equitable, more profitable, more patriotic, more family-centered, more righteous, more we're right and they're wrong, more us versus them. Any faith that we think is more is a lesser faith. Dan has been preaching for decades. Decades. It is not Jesus plus. It is not Jesus and. It is not Jesus and so. Not Jesus and I. The good news, the gospel, is Jesus. Amen. Any lesser faith we create is at its core false. Because we cannot actually create anything. What we call being creating, creating or being creative, and no offense to Dan and Peggy and the wonderful artists here, our creativity is really only our ability to organize what we already know or see. Any advancement in technology, any new idea is not a new idea. It's a wrinkle based on a previous idea. We simply cannot create something from nothing. Our creativity is simply a reflection of God, creator. And what a joy that is in faith to be able to exhibit our gifts. We reflect the Holy Spirit in us, reflecting God. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 42, 5 through 8. This is the true reflection of creator, sovereign God, Lord Jehovah Yahweh. Isaiah 42, 5 through 8. Anytime we see, thus says God, or you see the Lord in quotes say, I am, we should hear thunder, lightning, cymbals, bass drums, God speaking. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Boom! I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I 
will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. That is the creator, creating. The rest is us reflecting. The rest is us with the Holy Spirit in us reflecting. We have to give in to the idea that faith is not our own and does not originate with us. And I stress give in. Anything less than giving in 100% to to faith in us being a gift from God is a pathetic attempt to try and make God who we want him to be what we want him to be, how we want him to act. I'd be honest, we want our God to be socially just now. We want it to be more than the gospel. We want it to be equitable. In the 70s and 80s, boy, we wanted it to be profitable. Anything less is pathetic. It's us taking this gift in us and reflecting it Less than. A lesser faith. Ephesians 1.16. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians 1.16. As you're turning there, as you're thinking about giving in to the Holy Spirit being a gift inside us, think this thought, that maybe our primary role in sanctification is to continuously give in to Jesus and so open the eyes of our heart to the Holy Spirit that abides in us. Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. I do not give thanks, I do not cease to give thanks for you, that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Our faith comes from outside and settles inside. It is not our own. And again, maybe, perhaps, our primary role in sanctification is to continuously give in to Jesus so that the eyes of our hearts may be open to the Holy Spirit that is there. Now, you can't help it. Life will do this to us. We have doubts. The Holy Spirit is poured into us. Check the box. But I don't feel very holy. I'm not sure what that is. Why do I still sin? Great. So now what? We so easily fall into these kinds of traps that slow us down from giving in. Or we're giving in. We're trying to. But we're struggling with it. And believe it or not, the Holy Spirit helps us through those struggles. The Holy Spirit gets us around 
those traps, and if we're in them, through them. I remember how, uh, Paul, you taught how correctly to think about justification. This is a couple of weeks ago, that it is not a legal standing like being exonerated. Being exonerated is like God saying, oh, yeah, I saw that. It's okay. I'd have done the same thing. You get a pass. No. No. Justification is not that. Justification is a gift. It is not a pass. It is righteousness where righteousness does not belong. I hope a little light went on in our in our, our heads when he said that. If that had never occurred to you before, what does justification mean? A little light could have gone on. I know it did for me. That was an opportunity. I saw it. I recognized it. That was an opportunity to grow and to mature in my faith and my understanding. That was the Holy Spirit doing that through what Paul was saying. Here's another example. Uh, Romans 5.1. We, uh, I think Robin read it last week and, or the week before, and, and we've gone through this several times. I'll confess I've been stuck on Romans 5.1 for a very long time. It has been a joy to go back to it and a great reminder. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For so long, I will tell you that I quoted that and thought of it incorrectly. I thought, we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that little tweak had me stuck in a trap for a while. If we are at peace, then maybe sometime I won't be. Maybe it's you're at peace until you're not. You're at peace unless, unless you do something wrong. You're at peace unless God changes his mind. You're, you're, you're at peace as long as you, right? That was wrong. I actually quoted that. I, I remember quoting that to somebody incorrectly. We have peace. We have peace. God grants it. God says so. The God of Isaiah 42, 5 through 8, I am the Lord, grants it. He gifts it to us. It is within us. We stand in his grace. And God, creator, grants us his eternal peace through Christ and the Holy Spirit. That's the faith in us. From outside to inside, it is not our own. It is not created. That is the peace. The Holy Spirit works in us through that example to correct and guide to maturity our understanding to open our eyes, to open the eyes of our hearts to see the peace of God and reflect that peace to anyone around us. I'm going to... I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit for, for a couple more weeks. The Holy Spirit in us gives us gifts. 
Um, we're not going to go look these up, but if you could just pop these up there, Lane. 1 Corinthians, all of chapter 12. Verses 1 through 10, most of them, you might even have it memorized. The 11th verse says, all these gifts that are given are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. God wills His Holy Spirit in us. Where it wasn't before, where we didn't create it, where we don't own it, where God wants it. Hebrews 2.4, any gifts we have or see in others are given and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit moves in history from creation to revelation. Genesis 1.2. Matthew 1.18 and Luke 1.35, the birth of Christ. Matthew 3.11 and Acts 1.5, baptism by fire. And the entire book of Revelation. That is a short, incomplete, tip-of-the-iceberg view of what the Holy Spirit does in history. The Holy Spirit moves us. Mark 13.11, it speaks in and through us. Luke 1.67, it prophecies. Acts 2.4, it communicates the gospel. Acts 13.2, it chooses us for work and directs work for us. Uh, Paul also asks us to read Galatians. Read Galatians again. Look at Galatians 4, 6 to 7. What's the Holy Spirit doing there? Uh, Peggy reminded me of this one. 1 Samuel. Look at what happens when messengers are sent to give messages and probably not good messages to David. Look at what happens to them when they go to give that message. I'll give you a hint. They don't give their message. Look for the Holy Spirit there. That's moving in us. The Holy Spirit bears fruit. Many of us have these memorized. Fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's the fruit. That's this part. How does the idea get from here to here to here? How does the same Holy Spirit, the originator and sustainer of our faith, the saver, the gifter, the doer, the speaker, the mover, get past being an intellectual pursuit and into our hearts and bear fruit? Good news. It's already there. Confessing Christ as Lord, the Holy Spirit is poured out within us. Our job actually isn't to get it from here to here. It isn't to do the work of the Holy Spirit from here to here. We don't have to get it right. We don't have to never sin. We cannot be perfect. We cannot have the all, all the right answers. We cannot never fail. And here's one that really hurts. We can't fix other people. We can't. We can't even get it from here to here. It's already there. So again, what's our job? First of all, it's a huge relief to not have to be the Holy Spirit. Some of us have to give up that. Part of giving in is giving up. So we are not the Holy Spirit. We don't move the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves us. So what do we have to do? Give in. Our work in sanctification is to give in to the Holy Spirit that is already in our hearts. 
begins and is completed in Christ. Hebrews 2.12 Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Give in through the active worship of Jesus Christ. Worship isn't just over here. Worship, we've heard this for decades, but we're going to say it again. We don't worship over here just when it's singing or when it's only singing our favorite song or when it's only singing the favorite part of our favorite song. We don't, that's just not worship. That's not all of worship. That is a part of worship. That is a great part of worship. This is a part of worship. But worship in all of its expressions, and I'll give you another incomplete list. Music, sure. Singing, praise, public acclamation and reading scripture. Profession, confession, study, submission. Now we get into words that unless you're in the Boy Scouts or the military or in church in America today, I don't think you'll hear these words. Confession, study, submission, humility, sacrifice, honor, service, prayer, weeping and laughing. Worship is in all of the living, breathing parts of our lives. Life, as you know, will bring you experiences. Life will take you to very, very high places where God has brought you there, meets you there, and you actually, for just maybe a moment, you know who you are. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't think when Paul wrote that, that it was, uh, yeah, uh, it's no longer I who live. You know, it's just no longer I who live. I think when he wrote this, he was on the mountaintop, and he knew who he was. And he knew who he was, because he knew who he was in respect to who God is. Life will also take us to the valleys, to the places we don't want to go. And I know we've been there. Moments of grief, despair, doubt, fear, loneliness. The gospel, good news, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ has risen, Holy Spirit is still there with us for us, in us, always moving. By faith in our darkest hours, we can hope. We can be encouraged. We can even be thankful. Back to Romans 5.1, but also, I like Luke 1.78-79. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace that we have through Creator God because of what He's done for us and His Holy Spirit from Him into us. So this is why in our lives together, with our family, with our friends, with our church, 
with people outside our church. This is why with the Holy Spirit in us, we have a community that we encourage to study Scripture. Read, listen, learn, consider, and reinforce our understanding of God's character. We learn who he is, who Jesus is, and what he's done. Learn who the Holy Spirit is through the only reliable source in creation. I gave out maybe eight or ten verses about the Holy Spirit of the thousands that are out there. I haven't counted them. Have, have, has anybody counted the number of Holy Spirit verses in the Bible just like as a Saturday afternoon kind of a thing? Marie has. Thanks, Marie. Tip of the iceberg, right? As we learn about the Holy Spirit, there are thousands of books about the Holy Spirit. So just like Paul challenged us to read through Galatians, my challenge is in the coming weeks to read about the Holy Spirit. How and where he moves. How, about how and where he moves us. We pray together. We confess. We acknowledge, praise, ask. Ask for an open heart. For the next few weeks, I, I encourage us to ask the Spirit to guide in the study. We fellowship, um, and in our fellowship, we tell our stories. Even if we're talking about what we did today or how we're going to do, how we're going to try to keep the bats out of our house and, and all the things that we do to our daily life, tell your story. We have great stories. Be storytellers. They connect us. Um, I used to love Mark Hoffman's stories. Mark, uh, he had a tell. Uh, if you're playing poker, a tell is, is what you look for to see if what's going to happen next. So one of his tells was he would go, you know, and as soon as he looked up and said, you know, I knew there was a story coming. And, and it was going to be a good story because Mark could tell a story in a sermon and um, he, you'd laugh, you'd cry, maybe you'd do both. But at the end, he put a nice little bow on it and it all made sense because he could start out with a story like I was raking the uh, bark dust and you're thinking bark dust and somehow that became a story that enriched you and when you left you remembered that story tell your story to your family to your children to your friends to your neighbors to anybody asks anybody there are holy spirit stories to tell stories of renewal redemption stories of humility and grief Suffering, endurance, hope, and praise. So we study, we pray, we fellowship. And when we do these things, we open our eyes, I think, a little bit more each day to the Holy Spirit. We start to see it in each other. We start to encourage it in each other. We start to live it with each other. So there's more good news. The Holy Spirit is not... We are not it, but it is in us, gifted to us. Sanctification and justification. I love how these catechisms have laid this out where we got to know who God was. We get to know who Jesus is. We get to know where we fit through justification and sanctification. And now we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the first doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And that is, it is not ours to generate. It was not generated by us. It is ours because God gifts it to us, puts it in us, in our hearts, 
It's there. Give into it. Sanctification. And we do this again largely through worshiping Christ alone and then living our life that way. Sanctification is happening in us and around us, whether we know it or like it or not, through the Holy Spirit in us. I love how Paul and how Dan have reinforced that justification and sanctification move on together. That justification is that point in time, that point in history, that saving moment. Sanctification is a point in time thereafter for us. Romans 5, 6. At just the right time, Jesus. At just the right time in history. At just the right time in our lives, if you've accepted Christ. At just the right time for you. At just the right time for all of us. At just the right time for people who don't know Jesus, but will. At just the right time, Jesus. Good news, life-saving, justification, on our behalf was planned from the beginning. And the life-giving, life-sustaining sanctification is our time thereafter, and they flow on together, never separated, always joined in the Spirit, always moving. The Holy Spirit moves. He is moving. It is in us. Give in. Today my hope in Christ is that we are convinced that our faith is not our own, the Holy Spirit in us is a gift from God. Now in the coming weeks, we'll dive deeper into the Holy Spirit. Next week will be, what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? But as we move forward, my hope and prayer is that not just being convinced that we are hopeful, grateful, encouraged, thankful, and fearless, pretty simple, pretty punchy, like Paul was punching his points home through Titus. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are here today and you do not understand faith, if you do not have peace with God, if you are not encouraged, if you are not thankful, if you are not at peace, if fear drives you, tell that story to someone who knows Jesus. Tell that story to someone who has peace. If you have peace and are encouraged and know Jesus, be ready for someone to tell you their story. There is a better way, real faith, real peace, if you don't know Jesus, take this movement of the Holy Spirit at this moment to give in to the life giver Jesus. Lord, guide us and help us to give in. And all God's people said, let's sing. We're going to just sing all by our lonesomes. Like I said, I, you all sound so great. We've done this a million times. If you haven't heard it before, you'll, it'll be easy. Now on to him. Let's stand. You know what? I'm even going to stand. I'll lean. Stand, lean if you need to. Now unto him who is able 
to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you can think or ask or even imagine be honor and glory Peace.